We're gonna do some uh, some asimer yeah. on her. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna do just a just a light brushing. <laughs> Get out of my head! Welcome back to another episode of 1980s Now, a weekly examination of the importance of 1980s pop culture and its influence today. My name is Will, and joining me, as always, are my friends and co-hosts, Kat and John. Hey, guys. Hi, guys. Uh, happy to be here once again. Thanks. I had to <laughs> mute to catch my breath from John ASMRing me. <laughs> I'm good now. It was quite something. Didn't want to huff There's a whole new YouTube there. channel potential. I need to work yeah. on that. Hey, uh, don't forget, uh, <laughs> don't forget, I was thinking like, hey, you want John to whisper sweet nothings in your ear and send a chill down your back <laughs> for the cost of nothing for free. Go check out Gen X Grown Up. <laughs> well, every episode is like a ASMR. Asmer. Hey, uh, on today's show, we're going to test my foolproof method, guys. Now, you're the fools in this test. <laughs> I believe it's a fool. But it's, it's foolproof. So it's even right. against us even. It's fine. I mean, you guys can't break it. I don't think, I don't know, maybe. we got to provide some proof. I mean, in truth, it's something yeah, I developed fools. over, you know, some period of time after thorough research, which I could tell you mm -hmm. about later. Mm -hmm. But I, I'd be curious, because I haven't talked to you guys about this idea, whether or not you could poke any holes in my foolproof method to determine whether a film is also a Christmas movie. Okay. Mm -hmm. And this is the time of year. We've got Thanksgiving behind us now. It's steam, full steam ahead. Mm -hmm. My family at my house, we try to watch as many holiday films as we can. Do you do the same? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there are a select few that I must watch. Okay. But mm -hmm. like others in my family don't even care. You know, like I'll watch mm. all the all the Rankin Bass specials. Okay. I'll yeah. watch It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, I will yeah. watch okay. Miracle on 34th Street. And that's about the extent of my must watch list. But mm -hmm. I just sit and watch them by myself. Nobody else cares. Like, Aww, I'm watching Survivor. It's really like, sad to it's, me now. It's not bad. It's not oh. sad. I, okay. I, I get enough. I get enough joy out of it for everybody. I don't need them. Well, <laughs> yeah, and I, and I guess I'd to watch them with you. <laughs> to be clear, you have an adult child, so you know they might not necessarily be interested. <laughs> mm -hmm. I know my adult kid is uh, probably difficult to get them to watch it, but I also have a younger child, and you know she's mm -hmm. usually game for this kind of stuff. So, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, it'll be curious because. Uh, Obviously, every year my kids get older, and something I started with my older kid that we would try to cram in as many holiday films, mm -hmm. and now they've aged out of it. So I don't know. Right. We'll see if the younger one will hang in there still. When my mm -hmm. kids were younger, mm -hmm. we would always do the Frosty and the Rudolph mm -hmm. and the Year right. Without a Santa Claus mm -hmm. is my all-time top mm -hmm. favorite. So yeah, we did that, but that's uh, it's been a while. Okay. He miser. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of films that I like that uh, be, beyond the 1980s decade. Some I don't know if there's any that predate the 80s, but certainly. There's so many 80s and then some since that which we try mm -hmm. to watch. Actually, there, there are yeah. a couple from the earlier than the 1980s because, you mm -hmm. know, in our area on the East Coast, John, during Thanksgiving, they would show uh, March of the Wooden Soldiers around Thanksgiving time mm. or on, like, mm. on Thanksgiving, maybe it was, Kat. Did you get that one? I, eh, no, I don't, no? I don't have a strong memory of that one or mm. of it being special okay. or. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. even know that one. Okay. Mm. It, it's, a, wooden soldier. it's a Laurel and Hardy adaptation of the Babes in Toyland story. <laughs> It's pretty short, <laughs> black and white. It's I think it's hilarious. John uh, does too. Like I'm trying to think of a I'm trying to think of a parallel. Like, oh, it's a three stooges adaptation of Little Drummer Boy. I was okay. like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Huh. 
Yeah, I guess when Don't you play hear that it, drum, shimp. <laughs> when you hear, no. If you hear it in the abstract, it does sound a little strange. But anyway, and there's plenty of holidays. Hey, whatever. Okay, hey, anyway, we're going to see, well, you know, and, and actually some of those things that you, some of the, even the holiday specials that you mentioned, I'd be curious. We'll apply my foolproof method and see if we can't determine if those okay. are actually hot Christmas movies themselves or not. All right. Anyway. Mm. All right. Before yeah. that, though, we're going to review. Spoiler alert. Yeah. I actually do have okay. a bone to pick with one of your criteria. Oh, okay. So oh. All right. we'll, we'll get there. I love this. We'll get there. Very good. All right. Okay. Hey, before we get that. Stay tuned. Get there, though. We're going we're gonna to discuss current news stories related to 1980s media, including these stories. Cobra Kai has, a, has cast an iconic Karate Kid character in the sixth season coming up. Uh, the Christmas okay. Story House has a new owner. Zelda is coming to the big screen and... Mm-hmm. Soon we're going to be able to bust ghosts in Chicago. Uh, and I'm actually really excited about that opportunity. Uh, time codes are in the show notes if you'd like to skip a round. Wow. I totally forgot about reading this. <laughs> Kat, that's great, actually. That's actually great. That's actually great because there's some there's some things in here. Uh, there's some things in here. I'm, I'll be curious to get your just like green, as we tell you the story, oh. opinion. And reaction. Doesn't get more green than you know. this because I okay. <laughs> totally right. forgot midst all I sorts did of other my things. Homework. <gasps> yeah. there's, there's two things Brown that lizard. I'd be curious curious to get your feedback <laughs> that are better that you didn't that you weren't prepared. <laughs> she fell asleep last week and this week she didn't do any preparation. All right. I'm such a slight. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. There was not any lack of preparation. Oh. I was. I. I chose you, to prepare on the movie end of things, like oh, by oh, okay, watching good. and rewatching, right. and and I completely right. forgot about. This. She's awake. She consciously didn't do reading. She you're wasn't saying, asleep. No. <laughs> you're saying some of the Christmas movies we're going to talk about later. You watched today, uh, last night, and today. Yeah. Oh wow, you're wow, you're brilliant. Yeah. Okay, very good. See, yeah, you're moving to the top vacation. of the list. Huh? <laughs> okay, forget everything I said. In fact, if you want to nap right now, would be a good time. <laughs> You deserve it. Get your energy. <laughs> now, would it be something if she falls asleep later because she was up all night watching movies for the show? Ah, <laughs> uh, boy. Poor cat. Yeah. Okay, Will, stop picking on cat. Oh. We're going to call a moratorium okay, on the making good. fun of my little right. sister jokes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very good. Thank you, bro. Only I am allowed to pick on her. Okay. Very good. <laughs> so if you want to pick on her, let me know. And yes. I, you know. Okay. I'll give you a K for cat. It'll Yeah, be that's fine. Yeah, just, just, just throw your gang sign at me and we'll yeah. all harass her. Hey, before we continue, I wanted to let you guys know something. So I, I just came across uh, this uh, this group. I don't know. This, the third album of this group called Love in Cage. Their album, the third album is called Trans Reality. And mm. to me, you know, I learned a little bit about the, the I exchanged some emails with the the uh, songwriter and singer behind this music. And it turns out mm-hmm. he's a young fellow, I'm sure. He didn't tell me that part, but I'm guessing that. But it happens to be that he loves music from the 1980s. And I am convinced because I think this band, Love and Cage, this particular album, sounds more like, more reminiscent of the music from the 1980s, as I recall, mm-hmm. uh, than any other contemporary band that is, you know, 80s adjacent or tries to sound like 80s. Now, in their defense, Ooh. there's folks that we love that aren't trying to, you know, reproduce something from the 1980s. They're mm-hmm. doing, mm-hmm. you know, something that's uh, inspired by, you know, like yes. Dream Kid is his whole synthwave thing. Mm-hmm. He knows that's not a genre from the 1980s. Sure, yeah. But it still recalls some certain vibe from that. But anyway, mm-hmm. Love and Cage, uh, the, uh, the, this is how the album is described on the, on the website that I'll give you in a moment where you can get the album. It's uh, the third album from the French Cold and Arty Band. 
uh, between some cold synth electronic tracks, some post-punk anthems, and a deep Lynchian dark rock on the second half of the record. It mm-hmm. is a little David Lynchian at the end, uh, some of the songs at the very, very end, but th- it's still some kind of 80s thing to it, I think, more. Mm-hmm. And, and it's described as a perfect marriage of 80s sound and contemporary music. A must-have for wave and cold lovers. Cold lovers? What? Yeah. What is yeah. cold? Yeah. I didn't. What? I hadn't heard of that genre that of music. About- yeah. So, it's not hot lovers, I guess. It's I, I hadn't even heard of wave. Like I know synth wave. Yeah. But I hadn't heard of it. Maybe it's just an abbreviation of synth wave, which I'm okay with. But yeah, I didn't know cold either. Yeah. Now I think really what it is. So yeah, obviously new wave was the first wave we heard back in the 1980s, mm-hmm. which was by yeah. some accounts, a genre of music that was given to peel off some bands that would have described themselves as punk, but their managers and, mm-hmm. uh, and record labels wanted to get them airplay and calling yourself mm-hmm. punk <laughs> was damaging to your you know marketing. Right. So they created this right. new wave category where some bands, again, that could be maybe gone the other way, uh, they started describing them, you know, thusly. Um, mm-hmm. Today, you know, flash forward uh, 30, 40 years, we have wave as a sort of overarching or overreaching category with all okay. these subgenres. So synth wave is one of them now. New wave is something mm-hmm. else. Dark mm-hmm. wave okay. is another thing. Mm-hmm. And cold wave is is yet another. And cold wave, as defined by Wikipedia, at least, it says it's it's a music genre that emerged in Europe in the late 1970s, characterized by its detached lyrical tone, use of early, use of early electronic music instruments, and minimalist approach and style. It emerged from punk rock bands who were influenced by early electronic groups such as Kraftwerk. That's Ooh. what was popping into my head. Could Boing. I was wondering Boing. if Kraftwerk mm-hmm. could fall Boing. into that category? Jump. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, John. What are you doing? We don't, need, you. Any, we don't I, need any clips. I, I had craft work on a sample. Sound just like it, didn't it? it I didn't. I wasn't sure. Yeah, it was just your phone. <laughs> sound you can hear the sort of what I, you know, the sort of how cold is described or characterized here in these the couple of the clips I wanted to play you from uh, mm-hmm. Love in Cage. And, and again, I, I'm just a big fan of this. I mean, we're not being paid. This is not an advertisement. I heard this music <laughs> and, I, and I dig it. I'll play you three different ones to give you sort of a sort of, you'll see what I mean about the different sort of 80s bands that seem to be invoked, if not consciously. You can hear that, that loose sort of, you know, how it's described as a loose, detached lyrical tone as far as the lyrics go. Yeah. I think it almost sounds, this song sounds like a, a er, like a French early, early nine inch nails. Uh, the vocals are a little ethereal. Yeah. Yes. A little like, yeah. Like, like we're hearing yeah. them from down a tunnel or something. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. there's a yeah. space in between. Yeah. Yeah. There's some elements mm-hmm. of early, uh, you know, synth bands for me there. Maybe it's, again, it sounds a little, his voice sounds a little like Trent Reznor, maybe, you know, and, uh. Mm-hmm. Pretty hate machine or something like that era, but uh, you could hear some diversity in these different tracks. I really Ooh. dig this music. Oh, I like this one too. Now I don't know what he's saying. It's <gasps> French. We know you could you could pronounce it though. Yes. <laughs> So this track here is Ma Vi Numarique. And the track I played you first was 2083. You know what else I hear in there is like um, like about 20% Oingo Boingo. <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah, sure. Uh-huh. There's a little there's something about the 
like the morose approach, you know, it's, it's very mm-hmm. like, this is kind of creepy and we're not being real happy about this song, you know, <laughs> that kind of vibe. Yeah. But still kind of bouncy. Mm, very bouncy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking some, yeah. I think there's yeah. some era, maybe early 80s Depeche mode. Bouncy like a, like a severed head going down the stairs, you know, yeah. bouncy. Kind of. And all the tracks on this album, uh, which I told you about, Trans Reality, are not synths heavy like this. This other one is you'll hear just a typical uh, instrumentation you might hear. And again, I don't want to say punk band, but this has a whole other different vibe to it. uh, That uh, a few other, a few of the songs on the album that have a different vibe, more like Kintas. Oh. To me, this is like Cure. Yes, yes, yes. Violent yes. Femmes. Yeah, Cure. Yeah. Uh-huh. And these are young musicians? In their 20s, you think? I'm guessing, yeah. I didn't ask yeah. uh, the age, but I'm guessing just based mm-hmm. on our correspondence, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I dig yeah. it. Hey. That's cool. Uh, if you dig it yeah. too, it's available as a digi- it's available in every form possible: CDs, vinyl, digital. Which is I just got it as digital, so I can listen to it wherever I go. Uh, via mm-hmm. van, via Bandcamp, and I, I put a link in the show notes mm-hmm. there for you to get it as well. Mm-hmm. All right, okay. hey, yeah, check out Love in Cage. All right, look, hey, let's get started on cool. 1980s news. Yes, let's. There we go. I am dying to know. <laughs> let's all this. surprise Cat with the news. <laughs> Little does she know what the news will be. I heard Cobra Kai. Yeah, so hey, yeah, speaking of that, uh, this week in 1980s news, Cobra Kai, as I mentioned, has cast an iconic Karate Kid character for season six. It was reported by Deadline, (laughs) C.S. Lee, who's an actor who's appeared in Dexter and Avatar, The Last Airbender, among among other uh, shows and films. He's joined the cast of Netflix's (laughs) Cobra Kai for its sixth and final season in an iconic role that uh, harkens back to the very first Karate Kid film, according to Deadline. What, what a resume. What, like, Dexter? Dexter's like this award-winning, yeah. Emmy award-winning <laughs> series, and The Last Airbender is like this huge flop. Yes, the worst M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> film ever. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's so bad. But, so yeah. I read the article. Kat, any idea who you might be cast as? It's an iconic, <laughs> it, look, this is from the article. It says an iconic uh-huh. role from the Karate mm-hmm. Kid, the original Karate Kid is how uh, Deadline describes it. From the first movie. So you mean this, I'm just reading movie. what it says. Iconic role from the original that. Karate Kid is what oh, they wrote. Oh, from the original Karate Kid. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> He's going to play the piling that, yeah, that he was standing remember? on doing the crane kick. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Which turns out his name was... Oh, Mr. Miyagi. No, no, not the, Mr. Miyagi. What? The no, piling. No. The wooden piling. The piling. The wooden piling. Oh, he's going to yeah. play the... Yes. The Daniel stood on. He's going to play that piece. Oh, that was no. a, apparently that was a guy. <laughs> My brain is not. Dug right. somebody. That's one of the only iconic roles left to cast. Yeah. From the that, original Karate Kid. that was very, very important. But that, I'm yes. kidding you. That's not true. <laughs> but you're right, Kat. Mr. Miyagi hasn't been cast yet. And mm-hmm. it still hasn't no. been cast. It's not Mr. Miyagi. No, in fact, it's not. according to Deadline maybe. sources, Lee will portray Master Kim Sun Young. Remember him? Um, no? <laughs> Nobody does. Nobody knows who that is. I didn't either. Oh, Why would they say he's an iconic character? This is fucking nonsense. <laughs> this is clickbait deadline. Clickbait. Shame so, on you. He's a flashback character. That's all. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I didn't read that article. Yeah. It turns out Sun <laughs> okay. Young is a character that has previously appeared only in flashback form. And look, they say huh. it goes back to the original Karate Kid. In reality, based mm-hmm. on reading this and then having to do some research to figure out what the 
fuck are they talking about? <laughs> is in Cobra Kai, we have these flashbacks where Kreese so and Terry Silver are in Vietnam, Vietnam mm-hmm. and they start to, you know, getting this idea of studying, to start studying martial arts and then you know, mm-hmm. they decide they're going to come to America to open a school. And the person who's training them is this Master Kim. So we've seen the character portrayed in that, in that flashback uh, mm-hmm. by, by a different actor. Don Lee portrayed uh, the master in the flashbacks in Cobra Kai. But, so if you take that, this is, this is all I can figure. If you take that bit of information there and the fact that they talk about Master Kim having been their master, because there's, mm-hmm. di- there's some dialogue related to that as well. Actually, in the Karate Kid 3, Terry Silver's character says that Master Kim told him he had to... Uh, apologize to uh, Daniel, something like this, to Daniel for what Kreese did. Kreese is now dead. So Master Kim asked me to come forward and apologize for him torturing you. This is Karate Kid 3, worst Karate Kid. But so if you take all that, yeah, we can tie it back to the original Karate Kid only in this way. (laughs) So seen here. Oh my gosh. In a clip. In a picture. (laughs) In the background on a wall. Mm -hmm. People are saying this is Master Kim. Okay. Okay. This is, you know, why else, why else would crease? And what I'm showing my co-host here is a picture of a, of a gentleman in a martial arts type pose that's in a wall mm-hmm. of the dojo of the Cobra Kai from the first film. Now, if we zoom in enhance, it turns out oh. that this picture here is actually a picture of a gentleman named June Chong. Okay. Who actually is a real life uh, martial arts master. Chong is currently the 10th degree grandmaster in Taekwondo. And after he emigrated to the Los Angeles in the 1970s, he opened his own school, which continues to operate today. Mm. He, he had his, in addition to being a master in his own right, he had his own share of celebrity students, including Philip Ree, Simon Ree, Lorenzo Lamas, Sam Jones, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, Heather Graham, and someone else, which is just totally fascinating to me mm. to tie this all together. This mm. gentleman seen here with June Chong. Oh. Do you recognize that young it's man? Terry Silver. Yeah, it's Thomas. Actor. Yeah, it's Thomas Ian <laughs> Griffith. Oh, oh my god! The gosh. actor plays Terry Silver. So, look, this is just happenstance, right? <laughs> the fact that they hung a picture of this guy to be uh-huh. uh, in the background uh-huh. on a wall in the original film. <laughs> they knew he was a real master, certainly, because already he had a presence there in L.A. doing this. But okay. that they would later hire one of his students and then... His image would be the. All right, you get what I'm saying. Wow. That's just. I think it's awesome that Will thinks he works for CSI now. Zoom and enhance. (laughs) Zoom and enhance. There's infinite resolution if you just keep zooming and enhancing. Yeah. Right. (laughs) That was really impressive when his portrait popped on the wall there. Wow. Yeah. So, and Chung, in addition to being a martial arts, arts, uh, just again, real life master, made his film debut in 1976. And in 1985, he started in in 1985, he started in a handful of films, occasionally alongside some of his celebrity students. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thomas Ian Griffith posted the picture I shared with you on Instagram in May saying, me, me with Grandmaster Jun Chung back in the day, good Mm -hmm. times. As you guys know, it was announced in January that the sixth, sixth season of Cobra Kai would not only would it be the final installment, but it was going to pr- mm-hmm. premiere, we expected, before the end of this year, mm-hmm. that the writers' the strike uh, yes. you know, delayed the show yeah. such that mm-hmm. we'll see it now sometime in 2024. We're hoping. Mm-hmm. They still haven't mm-hmm. resumed uh, shooting it yet. Anyway, All hey, right. in other 1980s news, oh, fudge. Mm-hmm. Or should I say, oh, <laughs> fudge. <laughs> only I won't say fudge. 
Uh, after going up for sale nearly one year ago, a deal has been reached for new ownership of the iconic Cleveland house used in 1983's A Christmas Story. Mm-hmm. Now, who actually bought it and how much they paid still remains a mystery. That's still uh, mm-hmm. under wraps? Yeah. Okay. But the current owner uh, wrote uh, on uh, on the property's Facebook page saying, a Christmas story house and museum is pleased to announce that we have reached a deal for a change of ownership. We expect to have the agreement finalized by the end of November, mm-hmm. at which time we will introduce the new owner. Uh, as of recording, <laughs> we still don't have that information. Uh, Brian Jones, though, the seller, purchased the home for $150,000 in 2004 after seeing it listed on eBay. Wow. And it was just two years later that he opened it uh, to tourists. Uh, last uh-huh. November, he put the house along with the nearby museum and gift shop and the adjacent Bumpus house and four additional properties on the market without a listing price. Oh. But according to Yano Anaya, huh, I don't know how to say that, Yano. I, I'm pro- I probably butchered both of your names, uh, <laughs> but they uh, played a Grover Dill in the original Christmas story. Okay. Uh, at one point, they were part of an investor group that was interested in buying the properties. And according to Anaya, they told a Cleveland.com that, quote, Brian's heart was set on $15 million, end quote. Wow. Now, have, have either of you ever visited the Christmas Story House? No. And I'll tell you, John, no, no. I am like a stone's mm-hmm. throw away from it. And no. You are. Yeah. 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 I only visited because I was traveling there on business and I had okay. a free afternoon or something. But uh-huh. uh, it's, it's a little compound. That mm-hmm. is the house that they have restored and made to look like it's camera ready. That right. it wow. never probably looked like that in the first place. That's right. I mean, props. <laughs> there's the the life buoy soap is on the sink. You know, I mean, everything that every prop mm. you can imagine. And uh, and then across the street, that's effectively, I guess, the Bupkis house. That is like a gift shop and that kind of thing. So, like, I'm sure they're making money there, but justifies the 15 million price. It, but, yes. Mm. Let's keep that in mind as I tell you this. From the house, <laughs> house's official website, a Christmas story house is now restored to its movie splendor. It's open year round to the public for tours and overnight overnight stays. Oh, really? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I looked at the rates of Uh-oh. the overnight stays. Now you oh could throughout the year for the most part you could just stay one night, but there's certain mm-hmm. blocks of dates, mostly around the holidays, where you have to stay at least two nights. Oh, and the most, to two. I guess right. the most sought after date based on the price, I'm guessing the rate is the nightly rate for an evening, the evenings, December 24th and December 25th. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in, look, according to this paragraph, this is the nightly rate. So even though it says you have to book both nights, I'm guessing this is the rate wow. for one night. So you got to do this number times right. two. Double up. Yeah. Oh, that is $3,995. Wow. So if people are paying that. Oh, <laughs> I, mean, oh. I, I, I thought it was going to be worse. Oh, really? really? I mean, it's eight, a whole house. Eight grand. It's a whole the, house. Okay. Oh. And it's a historic house. Yeah. And I mean, there are hotel luxury hotel suites mm-hmm. that cost more than that. So yeah. it's yeah. a lot of a kind experience. And I you thought you were going to go 10, 20 grand. Or it doesn't seem like you get the whole house, John, actually. They've divided oh, yeah, really. the house up into two suites, the lower floor and the top floor. So you oh. get one or the other. You only oh. get to stay in the, in the cabinet <laughs> under the sink. Yes. <laughs> With the soap. Yeah. Wow. I love how the house has its own Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what you oh, said yeah. earlier? It's, wow. it's a oh, huge yeah. deal. It's a big deal. Especially oh my for fans of this mm-hmm. film. And the, fam, yeah. the film is so popular. Of course. You know, oh, for yeah, the last, but whatever, I, 35 years or so. Um, mm-hmm. now, and now it turns out, as John mentioned, they made the interior screen ready in the sense that it had an interior, but it didn't match 
what you see on film because in fact they actually shot the interiors on a soundstage in Toronto. <laughs> oh. Um, but they did shoot the exteriors here in Cleveland, of course, the exterior of that, that house, the Bumpus house, and a number of other things, including in fact, uh, the, the then department store that existed there when they shot this uh, in, in the early 1980s was called Higby's, which was in downtown Cleveland. Uh, mm-hmm. They shot the Christmas, you know, department store scenes there. The opening scene, which Ralphie spies the gun, the uh, Red Rider BB gun in the store window, that was mm-hmm. shot here in Cleveland. Um, mm-hmm. The parade scene was filmed just outside there on the main drag there. Uh, mm-hmm. And when Ralph, Ralphie and Randy visit, uh, go to see Santa, that was filmed inside the department store. In fact- mm-hmm. How, how, how. <laughs> Uh, the store, the store, in fact, kept the Santa slide, John, that was made for the film. And they used it for several years after the film's release. Nice. Uh, Higby's became Dillard's, Dillard's in 1992 and then closed uh-huh. permanently in 2002. Now in 1995 or 96, I was in Cleveland and I bought a coat at that Dillard's. Oh, and then yeah. in starting in 2003, I had an office above, was it above? I think it was above where the Dillard's, where the Higby's was, but mm. now it was, you know. Or maybe, maybe it was in the Higby's. The, did you buy the coat that made you where you couldn't put your arms down? Is that the coat you got? <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, there you go. So yeah. If you're in Cleveland, hey, come check out the house. And um, let me know. I'll come say hi to. There you go. Is that I'm, an I'm, incentive, John? Finally a reason for Will to visit it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to stay at the at your house, Will. Yeah. I'll pass on just, those rates. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, now, one thing you didn't mention that was in that article, which is, yeah. it makes the whole article kind of a, kind of a snoozer, which okay. is <laughs> to is the it? best of their knowledge, the house will continue to operate as it always has before, during, and after the sale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it looks like there's not going to be a huge impact on the tourism of that house. It doesn't mm-hmm. say that a new owner could do whatever they want, mm-hmm. but yeah. really it doesn't impact your ability to go and enjoy the house. It doesn't seem that it's going to, at least based on what the yeah. article said. So. Mm-hmm. so so let me just be clear. Let me just understand what you're saying, John. You're wondering why I didn't say a part of the article that was a snoozer. No, no. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying there was a part of the article that made the rest of the article a snoozer. And so you're saying I left out the part that would have made the entire story I just read unnecessary or uninteresting. And you're wondering why I left that out. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Now it's I'm not really exactly curious. what I meant, but I mean, <laughs> not to put too fine a point. It's on like it. we get to the end of this episode. Hey, John's like, hey, you know what? You didn't say that would have made this whole show suck. <laughs> you know what you could have said to save us all an hour and a half? <laughs> or you know what you shouldn't have said? Welcome to 1980s now. Uh, no, do say that. Oh, okay. Hey, another another 1980s news as reported by Entertainment Weekly. Hyrule is going Hollywood. So far, does that mean anything to you, Kat? What's going Hollywood? Hyrule. Hyrule? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. All right. Nintendo's announced it's developing Rupees. a live yeah. action Legend of Zelda film. Oh, I don't know that much about Zelda. All right. Okay. Well, Nintendo and Sony are co-producing the movie mm, with the sorry, Maze yeah. Runner filmmaker Wes Ball set to direct. Kat, even though you don't know it, it's been one of the Nintendo's most beloved franchises stretching all the way back to the 1985 game. That I do know. Okay. Like I, I'm mm-hmm. aware that it's like a huge thing. Mm-hmm. I just don't mm-hmm. happen mm-hmm. to, uh, yeah. So does that mean you oh, didn't okay. play it oh, on oh, Nintendo? I did not play it. All right. No. So it's time to play. No, no, not yet, John. Not yet. I know where you're going. Wait, hang, just hold on. <laughs> oh, wait, he, he's already got hold the on. game and I almost took it out from under him. It's, okay, it's not exactly, you could do it as a game okay. if you want, but just you're let good. Us, you're let's good. Let's get you're good. some facts yeah. first. Oh boy. <laughs> I, I've played Zelda back then. Not, I didn't okay. have a Nintendo, mm-hmm. so I could only play when I was at my cousin's Aww. house. Sure, yeah. And it was my cousin who was much younger than I was, so he wasn't even that interested in it as I was. 
Ah. So I ended up playing Ghostbusters toys with him instead. Mm. Like, hey, you want to mm. play Zelda? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but um, I got, and I played, I played almost every incarnation since. And the ones that I haven't played, my kids have played. Like my okay. oldest kid grew up on Zelda. And wow. so I watched them play all of them and it's just really, uh, and the way they, I mean, the last couple are super popular and they're just so, yeah. they're essentially like a, a fantasy adventure that you're, you know, you're mm-hmm. acting out. So it's really, and they're open worlds where you can pretty much just go wherever you want, but you get all these oh. little quests and side quests to you mm-hmm. know complete the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so when they, when they first announced that they were, you know, maybe making a live action movie years ago, uh, especially after the success of the last two, two, two games, um, I got really excited, but then nothing ever happened. In fact, we uh, were going to get a series at one point uh, on uh, Netflix, I believe it was, way back in 2015, but that also mm-hmm. never materialized. Anyway, mm-hmm. Nintendo's moving forward with uh, Sh- Shigeru Miyamoto and uh, Avi Arad uh, serving as producers. Uh, Miyamoto wrote on social media that he and Arad have been working on the live action film project for, for many years now. Of course, mm-hmm. look, it's got to be because of the success of the Mario Brothers film that they're encouraged that they can actually do this. That makes me uh, wonder why you wouldn't repeat that success with Illumination and Mario did so well. Mm-hmm. It surprised me that it wasn't going to be an animated yeah. film, but they're actually going live action. That surprised me. Yeah. But didn't we have a lo- an animated lo- a Zelda like in the 90s maybe? Or something? There, was a, there was a Saturday morning cartoon. Okay. Yes. Ah. Yeah, I, I'm glad that they're not though because I, I don't know. I, I, I My hope is it would be more like a Dungeons and Dragons type, you know, Lord of the Rings type picturing. high fantasy. Oh, okay. You know? And yeah. the stakes would feel different, obviously, if it's live action versus if it's animated. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to hear Chris Pratt playing. One of the <laughs> oh, no. So. <laughs> they, that's, that's who they would pick, yeah. too. Now, Nintendo, <laughs> as, as you guys know, has been overprotective. Uh, yes. I think you could say overprotective over their franchises. Ever mm-hmm. since Super Mario Brothers, you bombed in the movie theaters in 1993. I mean, they didn't, okay. they, it was pretty mm-hmm. hands off. And what was actually ultimately delivered was nothing like what they, nothing that resembled Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers at all. And they were like, <laughs> fuck this. We're going home. We're not letting anybody make our shit anymore. This is terrible. <laughs> Taking my ball. Yeah. You guys play by yourself. But since then, like when they t- teamed with Universal to make the, uh, the recent Mario Brothers movie, they mm-hmm. just stay involved. They just stay involved every step of the way. What is this character going to look like? Okay, we're, we're okay with that. Well, who's you going to mm-hmm. cast? Chris Pratt? Uh, all right, I guess we, <laughs> we'll see. We get him for a discount. But anyway, so far the details are scarce on what the Legend of Zelda movie might look like or who might star in it. But last year, before this was even announced, when digital artist Dan Lavelle fooled a number of fans by using AI software Midjourney to cast Emma Watson as Zelda, there was an outcry that's best oh. represented in this uh, tweet, Cat, which uh, has a, okay. a glaring omission or a glaring error for the for for the fans of Zelda. Oh boy! Uh, this was this person's issue and a number of others. I know she's from a game, and I have no issues with representations, but making Zelda a girl is a bit too much. Okay. What? What's it, John? What was your game, John? Cat, it's hmm? time to play. You gotta be <laughs> kidding. So this is okay. for Cat. Cat, mm-hmm. can you name mm-hmm. the protagonist of the Legend of Zelda video game series? Um, aren't they dressed in green? It's somebody in That's green. That's right. They're dressed in green. <laughs> That's we got a low bar, than John. most people get, Kat. Well done. <laughs> I only know this because somebody dressed as the character from The Legend of Zelda at my one of my yeah. kids' Halloween yeah. 
party or whatever, a, and I'm trying to remember the name. That tweet <laughs> illustrates a very uninformed view that most people have looking at gaming from the outside. They go, Legend oh. of Zelda, you must be Zelda. Well, no, you're playing a character named Link. Link. You are oh, trying. Yes, yes. All right. And you're yeah. working to work for or rescue or mm -hmm. satisfy a quest for the Princess Zelda. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. You are not uh -huh. Zelda. And so this tweet where, how dare you cast Zelda as a female? <gasps> Zelda's a female. I get yeah. it. It's totally oh. fine. Wow. That's, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've, I've caught myself saying it incorrectly, you know, years okay. ago where mm -hmm. it's like. Mm -hmm. uh, Early on. Yeah. yeah. When we need to refer to Link. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, huh. Since 1986, there's been more than 25 different games in the series, usually centering on the hero Link. But they've, they've done some little bit of, uh, you know, changing that around here and then. Here and now mm -hmm. and then when you play as Zelda, for example, uh, mm -hmm. who wields the that famed is. Master Sword and fights to protect the, hmm, this is Hylian. It's not Hyrulean? It's got to be a typo, oh. right? It's, it's Hylian. Hylian. No, you're right. Hylian? Yep. Hyrule. Yeah. The, the inhabitants of Hyrule are Hylians. Oh, yep. I never oh. caught that. The Hylian Princess Zelda from the villain Ganon. Who Ooh, always comes oh. back. He just keeps coming back. Yeah. Oh. He's like a, he's like a Bowser. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you beat him, but he'll be back next game. <laughs> and there's some kind of crazy <laughs> mythology that explains like how he can come back. And some of it's oh. some timey-wimey stuff that's involved in some of them. <laughs> it's really layered and fun, especially yeah. if you play he's, him all. He's, he's like borderline huh. deity in that yeah. like you can kill his, the form that manifests, but he is a representation of evil, which always kind of exists, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Wow. I haven't played the last, most recent one, but unlike you, well, I haven't played them all, but I played several when I was younger. And then, um, like the most, the first one that came out on, on the switch, I bought a switch for that game mm -hmm. to play breath of the yeah, wild yeah. because it's just so, yeah. I, and I didn't regret my purchase. Yeah. Not at all. Mm. It was great. <laughs> it's beautiful too. I mean, the, the art, the animation. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Uh, it sort of yeah. seems like maybe one could feel kind of pessimistic or cynical. Cause it's like, well, I'm going to beat this villain, but it doesn't matter. He's just going to come back again. Oh. Man, that's sort of depressing. Yeah. <laughs> to get into it, it's just too nerdy. All right. Too wonky. Okay. All right. <laughs> anyway, too point taken. Point taken. What's that? Hey. <laughs> in other 1980s news, as reported by Variety, an immersive Ghostbusters experience is coming to Chicago. I'm, I'm, I think this is a next road trip for us in 2024. Uh, fans will soon be able okay. to bring their ghost-busting fantasies to life thanks to Sony Pictures' first ever immersive entertainment destination set to open in Chicago next year. Named Wonderverse, the 45,000 square foot experience will allow audiences to step into the worlds of company films, series, and video games, including Ghostbusters, Bad Boys, Zombieland, Jumanji, and Uncharted. Hmm. On offer will be a mix of themed physical and immersive multimedia experiences, interactive installations, attractions, and dining options, including escape rooms, VR, and bumper cars, as well as bars and restaurants. And after 8 p.m., Wonderverse will transform into an adult-only venue, open to guests age 21 and over. Wow. No. <laughs> oh, I thought you were doing a strip club thing, John. Like, <laughs> That's what I thought, too. <laughs> no, I was not. Next to the stage, candy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Did it, we just, who else just, earlier this year, yeah. was it Universal? Someone mm. was doing like a, a huge theme. Oh, yeah, Mattel. Like indoor park. Mattel, yeah. Mattel, Ooh, right. But it was like in yes. Arizona right. or somewhere. Mm -hmm. it indoor, because it's hot as hell there. It's out right. in the desert. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So another like yeah. entertainment compound almost mm -hmm. that I've, yeah. Cause Universal's doing something too in Texas I saw. Oh. And now, okay. and now this. So yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. It 
It's the new thing, the new hotness. I, yeah. I want the bumper cars. I am all about those bumper well, cars. Well, yeah, check yeah, check this out. I got some details for you. And some of them are beyond Ghostbusters, but uh, they're all interesting. I think Ghostbusters, so the Ghostbusters one is a virtual reality academy and ghost trap bar. There's two oh. VR experiences, one called <laughs> Arena, which allows fans to suit up with proton packs and bust some ghosts, while the other called Blitz enables audiences to jump into the Ecto hovercraft and go for a spin. I knew it. The ghost <laughs> trap bar will also be open to those who fancy something with a bit of spirit. Ah. Uh-huh. Uh, so what you want, cat uh-huh. is, let's see, not the, well, the bad you know, boys. Spirit, like booze. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> nice. uh, let's see. You got, oh, so you got your bad, bad boys is a racing simulator. Uh, oh, that's not the okay. one I read about. Oh, here, here it is, cat. Hmm. The zombie land bumper cars. Oh, Zombieland. Oh, but oh. check this out. Not your typical bumper car ride. In this version, one driver is chosen as patient zero. And with each oh. bump, infects other infects cars. Somebody? Oh, that's cool. Okay. <laughs> so you want to not be infected by <laughs> yeah. someone who's already infected? I can, I can imagine like some like glowing red or blue lights right. on the cars to show if you're infected. That's a Clever. new take on bumper cars. Right? I thought we'd done everything you could do with bumper cars at this point. That's a neat idea. <laughs> John's keeping a list. Yes. He does. I'm ready. There, there's there's a spreadsheet on yeah, bumper cars, right? right? <laughs> there are only so many ways no. to make whiplash exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh, fellow so riders good. must try and avoid the, the uh, infected cars at all costs. Yeah, there you go. Oh, all right. That sounds fun. Costs. The Jumanji, mm-hmm. and there's also a Jumanji Reverse the Curse, a virtual reality game in which players must find the stolen jewel to stop evil spreading and reverse the curse. All these sound pretty fun Ooh. to me. I'm into this. Yeah. And I'd love to step into the, you know, the Ecto-1 in particular. But yeah. I don't know. We're a proton pack. <laughs> uh, it's located, located just outside of Chicago at the Oak Brook Center. Wonderverse is set to open next month. That is December with a soft opening. And then with an official opening uh, the next, uh, in January. Um, entry to Wonderverse is free with attractions individually priced. Oh, that's kind of cool. You only pay for what you do once you get in there, I guess. But you don't have to pay to get oh. in, like a theme park. Well, because I'm sure they probably have shops and restaurants and stuff they want you to go to outside of the attractions. So yeah, and you remind sense. me, John, that article that we, we talked about Mattel's theme park with the bone bone crusher, or whatever that was. The uh, that article had talked about how they called them like micro theme parks. Was right. It's a trendy new thing that's popping up all around the country, yeah. different areas. <laughs> what happened to cat? <laughs> now I'm, it's coming bone back shaker? to me. Bone shaker. Didn't didn't the that turn into an crusher. OnlyFans bone account? Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. Coming back. Yeah. yeah, right. He had two different ones: dark underbelly right. and bone the crusher. Dark or something. underbelly wow. and the, yeah. Bone shaker might have been another one. Yeah. John's always hustling. <laughs> All right. Hey, speaking of hustle, let's hustle out of 1980s. I know it doesn't sound like it because our show sounds so damn good, but we don't have a big corporate sponsor or a giant podcast network behind us. No. In fact, this show is brought to you week after week with the generosity of folks just like you, listeners who give us a dollar or two or more every month to help us pay all the different bills associated with creating a wonderful show about the 1980s. To find out how you can support our show with a dollar or two or the many free ways to help our show, visit 1980snow.com support. Whatever you do, thank you so much. I feel hey, so as, much more informed. <laughs> all right, here's your chance. Oh, we've got a list of look. I've got I got a lot of movies here, but I don't know. Maybe we'll pick we'll pick some that are representative. I guess will give us an idea of what we're talking about, and maybe we'll pick some mm-hmm. others that we just want to test this out on. Okay. All right. Hey, as we mentioned earlier, look. This is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna we're gonna talk about certain movies that are regarded by folks. Among our friends, family, and yes. in particular, someone that I lifted off the internet where these different websites are suggesting 
hey, here's a non-traditional Christmas movie. Or, hey, mm-hmm. such and such is a Christmas movie. Trying to cause all this hubbub and get clicks. Kind of like that. <laughs> kind of like uh, an iconic character from Karate Kid being cat. Right. Yeah. Clickbait. Yeah. But, so what, we're gonna, what I did, you know, over, look, I looked at a bunch of articles from popular magazines like Entertainment Weekly, Men's Health. These are things that I've written, written over the years. I looked at for professional guidance from screenwriting uh, trades like uh, Screenwriting Magazine, ScreenCraft, uh, statistical analysis from data scientists where folks analyze like words. And <laughs> oh my God. John, you should God. appreciate this part. A spreadsheet was involved. There was uh, a spreadsheet. And ultimately, I, yeah. I synthesized. I, I think what makes a Christmas movie cannot be quantified in that oh, way. I'm afraid, oh, but okay. Oh, no. oh. I've got some examples for you where there's certain right. numbers we can. How use. many ho ho hos were there? Yes. Quota. Yes, I, John. Yes. <laughs> no, I say no. Will okay. Well, we'll see what you have an issue with in just a moment. But ultimately, okay. synthesizing these different uh, resources. Look, I didn't get it right the first time. I had to hone it over time, and then test these different criteria against. Mm-hmm. you know, a number of films to see mm-hmm. if it jived with what I thought intuitively and what other mm. folks thought too, as mm-hmm. far as whether or not a film was a Christmas movie or not. And then mm-hmm. science. And then I applied it to films that are controversial <laughs> that, with regard to that question and just had a mm. definitive answer that I had to live with. <laughs> mm. Anyway, so here's the four criteria. Are you still living with the <laughs> definitive answer? <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? This is okay. solid. More importantly- Kat, you and I are about to have to live with it. So. Well, that's right. Okay. That's, which is now funny look, that I have to live with it. You, look, the three of us, I have never spoken mm-hmm. to you two guys about this. So mm-hmm. I trust you. To the extent you could poke holes Thank in you. this or have suggestions as to tweak it, you know, uh-huh. if we can come to some kind of consensus that makes sense. I, 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 mm-hmm. I reserve mm-hmm. the right to veto it and just delete this episode <laughs> entirely. Because he doesn't uh, want to live we'll with it. We'll adjust it. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so here's the four criteria. One, pretty easy to determine. Is it set at Christmas time? That's the easy one, mm-hmm. right? Really easy. That's yeah, it should be easy to answer. All right, now this one's a little That's squishy. Chronology. This is a little squishy, admittedly. Is oh. it Christmassy? Because mm-hmm. look, something could be said at mm-hmm. Christmas, and I have some examples here, but it doesn't uh-huh. feel mm-hmm. like a Christmas movie just because it's absent all the different indicia of a Christmas film. Okay. You know, imagery, uh, like music. Rocky Four comes to mind. Like it yeah. happens at Christmas. Right. But it's not okay. Christmassy at all, mm-hmm. right? I must break you. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> is it about family? <laughs> That's pretty easy. Okay. Mostly it's going to feature a family. It's going to be focused on the relationship of the f- characters. And it could be family, you know, quote unquote family, because there's lots of ways to define family. Right. Chosen family versus right. uh, biological. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and finally, sure. and I think this is one of the most, imp- this is maybe the most important one. Is it a tale of redemption? Mm. Is there mm. a character there that, you know, is changed mm-hmm. come the end of it? Some perspective, some attribute they had at the beginning is different. And I think- I didn't realize this, I think, until after I crafted this, I think, was that, you know, the easiest thing to think about in the context of Christmas films is the, is the story of A Christmas Carol, which, of course, started as a book and then ultimately made in different mm-hmm. media. Think of Scrooge, how different he is from the beginning by the end. Different outlook on life, treats people differently as a result. And this is the one okay. that I have a bone to pick with. And, and, and we can explore it throughout the course of, of the rest of, of talking about the films, but yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know. I think you can qualify the other three, not have a story of redemption and still be a Christmas movie. Okay. All right. I think it's nice for a tiebreaker, mm-hmm. but I think maybe that is not even a steadfast requirement. Well, yeah. I, I could be wrong. We'll find out. Well, on the end, I'll okay. be curious about if you have examples of films that are, is it one of those films on the list that you think there's no redemption, but it's a Christmas movie? Uh, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. I just... I think that's a common denominator. Okay. And I think I understand why you would use it as a litmus test 
Uh, and I was, I was looking for an example yeah. uh, that I could use, but like, but, but I, I can think of, I think I have one. Yeah. And I think I have a film we could talk about at the end that okay. meets all your criteria and it's clearly not a Christmas movie. Okay. All oh, right. All right. I Very can't good. wait to hear that. Okay. Fascinating. <laughs> yep. Kat, you said you think you have one that's meets the other criteria I, except the redemption. Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. I'm curious to know what you think too. Just to be clear, because other folks on on these different places I checked out and other folks on on the internet that want to argue one movie is a Christmas movie or not. Mm -hmm. I tossed out some stuff that's just straight up strawman, like the release date. That only informs us when the box, when the studio thought they were going to make the most money. So the fact, for example, that, so here's a, here's a real great example. Miracle on 34th street, which most folks would Mm -hmm. contend is a Christmas movie. And I don't think I, I don't think I'd argue with that. It was released in the summer of 1947. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And that could be true. That could be said of a number of films, including some on mm-hmm. our list. And also it doesn't matter what the people who worked on the film said, okay. uh, because we've got some films where the director said, I didn't oh. mean this to be a Christmas movie or some actors who say it was a Christmas movie. We okay. don't care. The only thing that matters is the four criteria. So intent does not matter because I was thinking of that. Yeah. Well, I was going to research it and I didn't, you know, what was the intent of the filmmaker? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Along yeah. with not reading the news, I also didn't do this. Um, but what was the goal? Was there a goal as far mm-hmm. as we want this to be a Christmas movie? So we're not caring about that. That's right. Yeah. It's a Wonderful Life had a similar path to fame as a Christmas mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you watch a documentary on it, it's fascinating. They didn't even market it as a Christmas movie. Right. Oh, wow. Because they felt it would not perform well as just a Christmas movie. They instead marketed it very differently. And now it is a by God Christmas movie. Yeah. But it's not what that wasn't, again, not their intent. They released it. The people who made these movies released them. They created them and released them. And then we get to have a say. And yeah. All right. So, hey, look, we've got a we've got a list here. And look, let's, let, we're going to mix it up. There's some on here that I think most folks would consider Christmas. Some folks, most folks wouldn't. Some that are controversial. And, and some, film, some films, that, to be honest with you, I've mulled over quite a bit in the development mm. of this criteria. And others <laughs> that are just, uh, again, I searched for some other lists of non-traditional Christmas films or straight up Christmas films that I haven't considered and put them on here just so we could, again, test the bounds of this criteria. Mm-hmm. Let's okay. start with one that is generally, many people consider a Christmas movie, although, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I guess I get, and it might give us an idea of what we're talking about with regard to this criteria. Okay. Uh, and that film is Trading Places. Mm-hmm. You guys fans yep. of the movie? Yes. I That was my rewatch oh. last night. <laughs> It had been a story. Very- Jamie Lee Curtis. I'll just point oh, out. Oh, I, I made a great show of that. Yes. With the, <laughs> <laughs> my watching partner, John's really into Jamie Lee Curtis. Wait, Good I movie. just, I just misheard maybe yes. two things. I thought first you said starring Jamie Lee Curtis okay. as if it was maybe a possessive or a plural. Oh, and then oh, you no, said something just singular. now when I thought you just said it's a really good booby. <laughs> Was either I said movie. Okay, I, again. I, uh, I said singular Curtis yes. and I said movie. There was crosstalk. I, I wasn't sure. Perhaps my, maybe I maybe I have a stuffy nose and it sounds yeah, yeah, like yeah, I yeah, I booby know. when I say movie. Uh, just some, uh, I guess some uh, production details here. It was released in, on June 8th, 1983. Again, talking about summertime. June. Yeah. Uh, and directed yeah. by John Landis. Of course, it starred Eddie Murphy and yeah. Dan Aykroyd, Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. says, and- uh, other. <laughs> and it's a twist on Mark Twain's The Prince and the Pauper. Uh, in this modern day mm. retelling, the wealthy Duke mm-hmm. brothers switched the lives of the destitute Billy Ray Valentine, played by Murphy, and the well-to-do Louis Winthorpe III, played by Aykroyd, to settle the old age argument of nature versus nurture. All right, let's just hear the right. criteria, right? Looking at, well, I'll tell you what. What do you guys yep. think just off your gut? What do you think? 
how would you characterize this Christmas movie or no? I think yes. Yeah, I feel, I say I feel yes. Not, I don't feel strongly about it, but I feel right. good about it. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great way to say it, John. It's not like, oh my God, yes. It's it's yeah. like, yeah. It, it's not the it's yeah. not the Christmas movie mountain I'll die yeah. on, but it, I do <laughs> feel that it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, let's just put it through the computer here. Is it okay. set at Christmas time? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although it does conclude on New Year's Eve, it does open sometime after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Is it Christmassy? Yes. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. Not 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 hit you over the head Christmassy, but there's plenty of uh, Christmassy visuals that happen throughout mm-hmm. the whole mm-hmm. film. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, 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 decorations, ornamentation. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's yes. got it's got at least four Christmas songs, and the script yes. refers to the holiday twenty one times. John, see that we did oh, some. Does it? Math wow. And, and right. although, although it's the most disgusting part of the film, we, we do see Lewis dressed as a you know an early day bad Santa, oh. decades before it was in vogue, <laughs> trying to eat that a salmon was... through his beard or whatever. <laughs> that, was, oh my God. that scene, I was like, he is the worst looking Santa yes. ever, and yeah. yes, he has a salmon in his coat. Another yes. one is in his beard. <laughs> yes. And we, we have the, uh, also have the perennial gift. Thanks to the pause button of Jamie Lee Curtis's jingle bells. Is it about family? <laughs> Zoom enhance. Zoom enhance. Yes. We're on the next question. Yeah. Here. Family. Uh, I, sorry. I wrote. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. What was the question? I was. John, get back. Oh. What, yeah. what were the questions? Mm-hmm. Plural. I said yes to family. Because it's a chosen family. Yeah. I, I will capitulate to the family <laughs> issue. That's fine. Is it a tale of redemption? Yes. It absolutely is. Yes. Mm-hmm. But doesn't matter. That's kind oh. of where I'm going with that. Oh. Well, the first three, it's already a Christmas movie for me. Okay. I think the redemption is nice and it's traditionally happens. Mm-hmm. And the redemption is almost always the Scrooge you mentioned. Someone who mm-hmm. hates becomes someone who is empathetic. Mm-hmm. When Christmas movies have redemption, very often it is that because there's a whole idea. It's like, oh, you get the Christmas spirit in you, you know, but I don't think that's mandatory for it to be. Mm. I already thought it was before we got to the redemption, but I agree there is redemption. That's yeah. Cool. I guess then, John, what you're going to have to be able to, like you said earlier, show is that you can show us a film that we think is, oh, it's definitely Christmas, even though it doesn't mm-hmm. have that mm-hmm. element. And I, I, sure. I'm I, not aware of one offhand. I, that's right. what I have in my head though. Right. Yeah. The cat has okay. that one. I, I have the other I have type, that one. but yes, we'll, we'll, we'll cover those. Okay. Very good. So, all right. So conclusion is this is in fact a Christmas movie. Merry yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Right, so Billy Ray <laughs> weighs in on that. All right. Hey, all right. Let's talk about, let's see. Let's give, all right. So this is one. All right. Santa Claus, the movie. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about Santa Claus, the movie. Did you guys remember Do. this movie? I I don't really remember it. Yeah, only barely. Yeah. Only barely. It's the one with mm-hmm. uh, the guy that played Arthur is in it as an elf, right? right. Dudley that- Moore. That's right. Yep. Oh, Dudley, Dudley Moore. Moore. Dudley yeah. Moore. Yeah. yeah. And I got to tell you, I think partly for us, it's not of our generation. It, it did come right. out okay. in 1985, but we were too oh. old, I think, to and had different perspectives on Santa Claus by this point that mm-hmm. we would probably be enamored by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So we saw for what it was. Shit. <laughs> now, my wife, who is a few years younger than I am, oh, she yeah. loves this movie. She loves oh, it because, really? you know, okay. she was younger and had a, that's right, I dated, I'm married to a younger woman. She had a different <laughs> different perspective. Um, she has a thing for Dudley Moores's. Yeah. <laughs> she does love oh. Arthur also. It's true. And Arthur too, yeah. Love on the Rocks. Yeah. Um, 
But look, it's undisputable. It was a bomb at the box office. It has mostly okay. negative reviews. And undoubtedly it has sure. some kind of mega Metacritic score of, you know, in the low <laughs> tens or something like that. Um, but it was, it was, it was directed by Jeannot Swark, who directed Jaws 2, Supergirl, and Somewhere in Time. In fact, we talked about a long time ago how Ooh. the reason he directed Supergirl is because Christopher Reeve was originally supposed to be in it as Superman. So he uh -huh. asked his buddy from... Uh, somewhere in time who directed him there. Hey, you want to come yeah. direct this other movie? And then ultimately Christopher Reeve was like, this is going to be garbage. I am out. Yeah, oh this. no. Uh, but you keep directing it. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Dude, go ahead. Dude. <laughs> and it was written by David and Leslie Newman <laughs> and produced by, who also worked on Superman and Alexander and Ilias Salkin, the father and son uh, producing duo behind those films as well. And <laughs> there's a great article in Forbes 20 from, I think it was like 2015 where someone compares this movie Santa Claus the movie with Superman the movie, which has like, you know, I don't know, 90% of its creatives working on it. Hmm. They they took like almost beat by beat Superman the movie and just applied it to this film. Really? And just made it Santa Claus? Yeah. Huh. I mean, you've got the origin story. You've got him coming into his powers. You got the introduction of the villain. You have the climax where he's got to defeat the villain. Wow. Uh, and hmm. if you just think about just, you know, even higher level. So many similarities between Santa and Superman, right? They both wear red. Yeah. They both fly around the world at the ridiculous <laughs> speed. They both live in the north. Mm -hmm. They both have, uh, you know, frozen uh, mm -hmm. fortresses of solitude in a sense. They wow. both love milk and cookies. I was going to say something about cookies right. in there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Kryptonite, you know, all those things. In fairness, Superman yeah. is not an original story either. The story of the hero, the origin, and then the rise to power, and then sure. defeat the villain. So, yeah. That's but, true. But it's an interesting comparison with the two uh, comparable creative teams that they would mm. follow the mold so closely. I get that. Anyway, back to our test here. Um, well, I just added it to my watch list because now I'm cat, curious. Cat, do not watch it. I'm telling you right now, do not watch it. You got to trust me. I don't know what you think is the worst movie you've ever seen before. It's as bad as that one. <laughs> Even in your rose-colored glasses world, you saw a movie that you wanted those two hours back. Please, I just had to be. The Druid mm. with what's-his-face in it. I don't know. Um, the guy that you pronounced uh, Lambert. Oh, Lambert. Oh, worst movie ever. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, just for the plot, it's what we talked about. It depicts the origin of Santa Claus in his modern day adventure to save one of his elves, who's the Dudley Moore character you mentioned, John, mm -hmm. who's been manipulated by the unscrupulous toy company executive, Lex Luthor. I mean, John Lithgow. <laughs> anyway, it's clearly it's set at Christmas time. It's okay. definitely mm -hmm. Christmassy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Is right. it about yeah, family? Yeah. Kind of like we talked about trading places. It's sort of a found family. Mm -hmm. uh, Santa and Mrs. Claus don't have a family at the beginning, uh, but oh. they're ultimately rescued by these elves. And so the okay. elves become part of their family. And then throughout the story, there's these young kids that are embroiled in the story that become sort of like quasi kids to them. They're not raising mm -hmm. them, but, you know, they become sort of uh, parental figures to these, these kids who have uh, otherwise bad, you know, lives and adults in, in them. Is it a tale of redemption? Now here already, like you were saying, you don't need this, but look, this is Santa Claus mm -hmm. the movie, John. Yeah. I don't think it's a tale of redemption in this movie. Well, here's the thing, and this is where I'm going, is that if you find a way yeah. to lawyer your way into saying that Santa Claus the movie is not a Christmas movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It is. Perhaps it's not a good one or one that meets your criteria. Oh. Mm -hmm. But- it's a Christmas movie. All right. You all know right. what, John? You're right. Maybe that's all we need to do. Although I'm looking forward to debating this with you later. Maybe that's maybe that's the, the fine-tuning we need to make. Is it a good Christmas movie? And now, right. I think you have a point there. I think redemption definitely adds something to the 
the ennui of a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. It makes it more impactful. This the, the same thing that family adds to a Christmas movie. Yeah. I think you could have a fine Christmas movie without family, maybe, mm-hmm. but the family element makes it more heartfelt and makes it yes. a good Christmas movie, right? Mm-hmm. You could maybe have a Christmas movie of a guy stranded on an island. Wilson! And it could yeah. be no family, <laughs> no redemption in June, but I think there's potential as what I'm saying. I don't know. So, I think you go But it wouldn't be a good Christmas movie. It wouldn't yeah. be good. No, that, that's too far. I think you have to get in the realm of Christmas. I, I got to push back against, you're just so sure. We yeah. have to make sure we, we well, I think, look, steal hard and steal here. I think okay. the first three gets us to Christmas movie. The fourth one gets mm-hmm. us to good Christmas movie. Maybe. Oh, yeah. That works. Possibly. For me. Possibly. Okay. And then your, uh, you know, out, what's that, uh, out, what was that guy's name? Castaway example. It doesn't right. mean any of the other criteria. Tom Hanks. Yeah. Tom Hanks. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about another one here. Uh, let's see. We'll get you guys in here. Well, what else do you care to? All right. Gremlins, a very different film. <laughs> it's definitely, uh, folks, again, folks online say it's a Christmas movie. It's very Christmassy in music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And lots of visual shots and lots yeah. of, like, so much of the content is Christmas, Christmas, mm-hmm. Christmas. It's actually so we've, the first two Christmas. are gimmies, then, Kat, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's Christmas time it's Christmas and it's Christmassy. Time. Yeah. Yes. I don't know yep. that I'm willing to relinquish this criteria altogether to even suggest. I, I, I would rather, I'm holding back here. <laughs> I might suggest Santa Claus, the movie, is not a Christmas movie. I, I'm going to oh. see. I want to get through Whoa. all this, then it's I'll not, let you know. Good one. But okay. <laughs> All right. Well, so on Gremlins, though, would you agree Christmas time and Christmassy will at least those first two? Can we clear those hurdles? Oh, yeah. The film opens with the, okay. you know, the, the oh, yeah. easy peasy Randall yeah. buying yeah. a easy Christmas peasy. gift. Okay. It's a wonderful life is playing on the TV. Tons of imagery. Christmas is mm-hmm. mentioned 15 times throughout this, the script. There's creepy uh, silent night music when mm-hmm. they're walking through the town. Santa's referred like to this. four times, although I think it might be entirely mentioned as part of that terrible monologue <gasps> oh. that uh, Kate gives about her well-intentioned father's demise. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was horrific. So just as a, some production notes here, it's directed by Joe Dante, the great Joe Dante, written by Chris Columbus. Yeah, that Chris Columbus, mm. uh, who uh, the film was released in June of 1984. Again, that's no matter as far as determining. Sure, yeah. Whether, um, uh, so yeah, okay. Family? Yes. Not really. I mean, well, what's the family? Well, the the kid. I mean, it features a family, but is, is there a family dynamic? Yeah. Oh, is it, like is a, it about like a, families? The locus of the story involve oh. a family. It could be a, you know, put together mm. family. Or, would you say found family? Is it cat? Yeah, you could stretch it to found family because uh, Kate and uh, and what, I just watched this. What, what's I his don't name? Know, Billy. You know, the, the teenage Just because they're Billy. dating? I don't know. That's necessarily. Well, yeah, but they weren't. They weren't. They're, they just start. They come together. They mm. They weren't. And so they're, they're bonded now over this traumatic experience. I feel like then you could see any movie where two people go through the same experience as a family. I don't know. It's not, it's not a uh, Fast and Furious film. I, I don't know that I <laughs> go that far. All right, Vin. Family. There are two things that I want to say. One is I want to say what makes this a Christmas movie because yeah. I feel yeah. in my core that it is. Yeah. Okay. But I also don't feel... Like, I don't necessarily feel that E.T. is a Christmas, is, I'm sorry, is a family movie, a movie about family. It features a family oh. and we see a family dynamic, uh-huh. but it's not, it, I don't see it as a movie about that family so much as it is a movie uh-huh. about the boy and we're not talking about E.T., right? So Gremlins, okay. less so, 
even than E.T. Okay. I, right. I could see an argument that there's, it's it's not family focused yeah. necessarily. Ooh, right. No, they yeah, have I a family, but <laughs> it's not about the family, okay. right? Like Stranger yeah. Things. They have families. We see them once in a while, but the mm-hmm. the show is about their adventures, not their family. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Good point. Okay. That's yeah, yeah. fine. I, I, yes. I agree with you in that regard, not necessarily about E.T., but we're talking about Gremlins, so we could- Okay. We'll, yeah, we'll that's just a punt. <laughs> uh, is it a tale of redemption? Is that less controversial? No. Yeah, I, I don't know who's redeemed. Who's changed Nobody's by the redeemed. end? There's even yep. a Scrooge character in there that misses Deagle, and then she ends up dead. <laughs> yeah, that's the lesson learned. <laughs> yeah. Lesson learned, don't be a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and Billy doesn't have any girls. In fact, the shop owner shows up back at the end to take the Mogwai back. And he says, mm-hmm. you're not ready. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, yeah. so. Yeah. And never will be. So look, for me, based on this, it's not a Christmas movie. Is okay. this a one that you, John, in spite of the fact that the way we did the math here, you're still willing to say it's a Christmas film? Uh, again, not a Christmas mouth that I'm going to die on. Okay. Uh, right. So I'll okay. tell you, at Christmas time, I don't go watch Gremlins because <laughs> right. I'm dying to see it as a right. Christmas film. There are plenty <laughs> right. of more Christmassy films that I enjoy. Right. Mm-hmm. I have some, you know, some rose-colored glasses for it because yeah. of when I was exposed to it and kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But I don't care if it's a Christmas movie or not. And so I'm happy to, to go with your criteria and okay. say it's not because it, I have no, I have no horse in the race. Oh, it's, right. it's fine with me if it isn't. Very good. Right. Billy Ray. Get the f- out. All right. So that's <laughs> not a Christmas movie. All right. Let's talk about, we just talked about this in the news. Let's talk about a Christmas story. Yeah. Yes. Which uh, yeah. for folks who don't know, it was released in 1983. It's, it was directed by Bob Clark and is based on some of the writer, Gene Shepard's semi-fictional anecdotes. Set in the mm-hmm. 1940s, uh, focused on a young boy named Ralphie who attempts to convince his parents and everybody else who will listen that a Red Rider <laughs> Range 200 shot BB gun is the perfect Christmas gift. Oh, oh, well, okay. Maybe this is the one. Okay. All right. So, can I, can I run through this one? Here yeah, we go. Yeah, so, please. happens at Christmas time? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Is it Christmassy? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's full of Santa going to the mall. Ho, ho, right. ho. What do I want for Christmas? Uh, mm-hmm. Christmas break. All that's happening. Mm-hmm. Is it about family? By God, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, his, his dynamic with his father, how that evolves and you yeah. know, how the mother protects them from the father's. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say rage, but his, <laughs> yeah. his, uh, his, his, uh, his inappropriate behavior, you know, <laughs> sure. you know, you gotta, you know, yes. just don't talk to your father right now. Like I think mothers often did in the forties or were right. portrayed as such in media. Right. Mm-hmm. Where's the redemption here? I, I don't know. There's well, growth. Yeah. There's personal things, but there's not like a bad guy that becomes no longer a bad guy. Good point. Yeah. In my mind. This, yeah. I've got some ideas, but so, maybe they're a stretch. Yeah. 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 So, so I, I feel this, this might, I wasn't, this is not the one way we were thinking about, but yeah. this might meet the criteria of it's a by God Christmas movie, <laughs> but I don't see any redemption in it necessarily. And it's sure. a good Christmas movie, I would assert. Hmm. So if you feel that there is some redemption, I'm curious to hear. Yeah. So t- two questions for you. Uh, answer them whatever order yeah. you want. Do you feel in your bones this is a Christmas movie? And secondarily, hmm. yes or no with that, where do yeah. you feel the redemption lies if that's required for the Christmas moviness of it? Yeah. Right. I feel I like my criteria is starting to fall apart. I think Uh-oh. this might be the one-two punch. Like how could I really dismiss Santa Claus? <laughs> He's waving his hands in victory. The, the Santa Claus, the movie, is dismiss it as not a Christmas movie just because it's shit and doesn't have redemption. 
and this mm-hmm. film too. Because my gut, you're right. Mm. I feel like this is a Christmas movie, mm-hmm. but I guess then it comes down to how you define a Christmas movie. And for me, I guess I define mm. it by needing to have that. But I see, I see what you're saying. And that, and, you know. I think what it does have is all of those things develop. Yeah, the, sure. The, not not the Christmas the Christmasiness. Ralphie gets a new he gets a new um, outlook on what Christmas means and what it's yes. about. So mm-hmm. he grows, yeah. not redeemed, but he grows. Yep. The relationship with his family grows and matures. Yes. Nobody was bad. It needs redemption, but everyone is better at the end of the movie than they were at the beginning. I think even the mm-hmm. bully is better at the end of the movie than they were at the mm-hmm. beginning. But I don't think there was. Like, there were no bad guys in this movie. It was just people being people, being a family, sure. and they became closer and had more respect for one another at the end than they did at the beginning. And all of that, I think, makes it, yeah. the family element evolves and is wonderful. And mm-hmm. that might be one of the mountains that will die on for Christmas movies. If you, if you want to yeah. kick that one out, <laughs> fisticuffs. I think you're <laughs> not kicking it out. Yeah, I think no. So I think how we get to this criteria, right, is is find films that we think are definitively Christmas and then see how we can mm-hmm. capture them in something that doesn't capture too much. And then Will sees how he can shit on them. <laughs> and then and then make sure the criteria isn't so broad as it captures a film that we wouldn't, mm-hmm. like Gremlins, you know? Yeah. So, okay, yeah. so let's yeah, yeah. see. So growth, John, I, I think Terrifying. I might go with you. Maybe Redemption's too strong or too narrow. I agree mm-hmm. with you because there's definitely growth. The father, the, the Ralphie, the mother, everybody's got some growth. Emotional there. growth. Mm-hmm. Emotional. I think yeah. that's that's the maybe that's the linchpin. Okay. That which mm-hmm. is redemptiony. Emotional growth is a component of redemption, but maybe you don't need to go the full yeah. mile to redemption. Right. It's yes. <laughs> redemption light. <laughs> Just yeah. sort of more, you know. There's no high, real big highs. Half the or calories, lows. all the flavor. <laughs> redemption <laughs> adjacent. Of- Level, yeah. <laughs> so, but we got to test it though. Yeah. Does Gremlins have emotional growth that would now suck Gremlins in, and we'd be like, "Whoa, okay, that's too far." Mm. Billy and or I think still we're safe. I think we're good. He's still, still not ready. Yeah, exactly. he's yeah. not ready. He had an adventure. He was a little irresponsible. He did his best, but yeah. I don't. I don't think he's a better person. He's yeah. just. You know, he's a month older, that's all. Yeah, all right, Yeah, I yeah. Agree. he was already a good person. That was a terrifying Christmas movie, if we're calling it a Christmas movie. But mm-hmm, which it, I'm, no. I'm not. Okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> all right, now look, based on what we just learned here, I want to throw a movie in here that uh, maybe challenges or, or another sort of Ooh. element of what we just talked about as far as emotional growth. And we'll it. stick yes. with emotional growth. Okay. Okay, okay. I'm going to talk like about uh, 1989's Christmas Vacation. You know. Oh. Ooh, yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Uh, which was uh, mm-hmm. d- directed by Jeremiah Chetrick and written and co-produced by John Hughes. It was the third film in mm-hmm. the franchise. Uh, you know, I think it's what, one of the two best, right? The first one and this one are like probably the best. The vacation European and then Christmas, right? right? Exactly. That's the, the, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was yeah. great. You saw, you know, the original stars reprised their their roles. Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo, Randy mm-hmm. Quaid and others. Um, in IMDb, sums it up thusly. The Griswold's family plans for a big family Christmas predictably turns into a disaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to tear through these to get to the one that, again, we see to be get mostly hung, hung up on. Uh, mm-hmm. It's definitely Christmas, uh, set yes. at Christmas yep. time. Mm-hmm. You know that from the outset. It's definitely mm-hmm. Christmassy. Holy cow. Just chalk oh, yeah. I got that. Christmas oh. dinner, decorating the outside of the house, the getting the Christmas tree, <laughs> all these things. Oh, yeah. Is it about family? It's a family dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Multi-generational, extended family, so on. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we get to redemption. And look, right. so far, 
we'd say it's a Christmas movie, okay? Mm -hmm. Well, or yeah. John would say it's a Christmas movie. But if John's willing to say that we need emotional growth, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if we have that, except for asterisks. And here's the audible that I'm calling here, or the you know how we challenge this. Clark okay. is the same throughout it, and we, we he's the protagonist, right? Yeah. Yep. We do, however, have this Scrooge character in his boss, Mr. Shirley. Because if you yeah. remember, mm -hmm. Clark's going to use the bonus he's expected to get, because he got it every year, to in install an in-ground pool for his family. And mm -hmm. he just, throughout the whole film, he keeps checking where the status of his bonus is, only to ultimately learn this year the company changed the bonus, and instead he got a subscription to the Jelly of the Month Club. Right. <laughs> so Cousin Eddie kidnaps the boss, played by Brian Doyle Murray, and, you know, threatens him, and ultimately... He has an, he has emotional growth. He has redemption. Yeah. But mm -hmm. a, a, a tertiary character that comes in at the third act, almost in the mm -hmm. denouement of the film. I mean, <laughs> mm -hmm. that Does seems that too remote to me to okay. say this is emotional growth. I hear you. I hear you. I'm going to say it counts as a Christmas movie because I feel like the first three are strong enough. And I know a lot of people do count it as a Christmas movie. So that whole, mm -hmm. you know, the, the audience having a say in it mm -hmm. is important. But, um, and I, I, I saw it within the past couple of years again. And I just, uh, you know, I'm hearing you say the emotional growth. I couldn't have called mm -hmm. it up though on my own. Yeah. I could not have yeah. said, oh yeah, yeah, there's this redemption or yeah. that growth. So that really wasn't super strong. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. So as I think through it, so Kat, your argument, which I like, which is if the other criteria are strong enough, it might compensate for a yes. weak fourth criteria, which I get. And and I, I don't have, I don't have a dog in this race at all. I, I, I don't have, <laughs> I don't care about this movie. It's okay. It's not one of my favorites or anything. So right. I, I, so right. I want to I preface that before I sound like I'm reaching for straws right here. So okay. <laughs> you are right that this tertiary character is... But he's not just introduced in the third act. Yeah, that's true. Right. His existence and actions cast a shadow across the entirety of the film. Sure. Yeah. It's only that he he is becomes present and does anything that we know about yeah. in the, the end of the film. So, yeah. so I, I think I, I half agree with, I entirely agree with Kat, but for half of the reason that I agree with her and half of the reason that I think if you just brought a character in at the last minute, oh, and by the way, he's a better guy, right? That would be worthless. But this is a character that is present throughout the film, or at least his presence is felt. It's a good uh, point. I'm trying to think of an analogy. All right, in The Hobbit, Smog, his presence felt throughout the film, felt throughout the book. We don't really see him till the end. If he was yeah. had some kind of emotional growth, would we give a shit and say that to find the movie for us? I think we would if it has an impact on the story. Yes. He decided yeah, to give yeah. the gold to everybody and Right. He said, you know what? I got I got I got like a dozen of these rings. Y'all want one? Yeah, you're right. What was I thinking? <laughs> Merry that Christmas. What day is it, boy? Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's too remote for me. So so you think National Lampoon's Christmas is not a Christmas movie, Will? Is that what it's you're not going? that I think it, it's that Billy Ray thinks it. Get the f Okay. I don't know. Look, we got to have criteria. Is this a good or is this the good versus bad Christmas movie? Is that what we're looking at here? Really? By the way, just as an aside, I love this movie. I watch oh, this one every year. I wasn't clear on that. I mean, you're calling it not a Christmas movie. I don't know. You're right. I watch when it because it's watch a Christmas it? movie. June? But that Do doesn't I? matter. But science <laughs> is matter. what matters. So here's a great question. 
and I think this is only probative because will you like this movie? Yeah. This is a personal question and I don't want you to make a snap answer. I want you to think about it for a full five seconds when I ask you, you ready? When you watch this movie, yes. when you choose to watch it, why are you watching it? Uh, it brings me joy. Uh, it's funny. It's heartwarming. Do you watch it because it brings you some of that Christmas spirit? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you yes. mentioned joy and happiness and whatever. So Yes, I don't watch it any other time of year. So you yes. watch it between okay. Thanksgiving right. and Christmas. Yeah. It's front it's beginning to end packed with enough Christmas vibes and music and imagery that yes, yeah. it gives me a Christmas Christmassy feeling. Absolutely. I think it would I would think it would be rough for you to cut off your nose to spite your face here to set up some criteria that demonize one of your favorite mm. Christmas films and make it not a Christmas film. Okay. It leads mm. me to believe that the the criteria I really it's almost like we need points. We need points. Like, okay, okay. Christmas time, one out of five. Okay. And then yeah. Christmas uh, paraphernalia, one out of five. And you need a score. <laughs> like maybe you need a, you know, a 23 or maybe you need, you know, because Kat is saying if it's enough of the others, yeah, maybe you don't need one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. like rather than a binary is like, is it Christmassy or not? Well, it's, it's a two out of five Christmassy, you know, which makes it weak. I, yeah. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I guess- I, I and like I re- that, like okay. a scale. Yeah. Or you make up your own criteria. I don't, you have your own 80s podcast then. Get the f- out. <laughs> All right, just two others we want to talk about. And I know, John, you had one on your mind among those. So I do. What do you got? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, this is one that I, I think is very obviously in my bones, yeah. not a Christmas movie, but- yeah. okay. I think it meets all the criteria for a Christmas movie-ish. Oh, <laughs> okay. Okay. I can't wait I'm to find so out what curious. this is. So, so, so I'm going to just run through the criteria first, and then I'm going to snap the movie on you and tell you what it is. Okay. okay so, okay. first, does it happen at Christmas time? Close. Um, it's around the holidays. It's Christmas adjacent. It's right okay. in there. Okay. Okay. Uh, is it Christmassy? Um, in that. The holiday spirit, snowy weather. Mm. Uh, so, so again, kind mm. of Christmas E. Uh, you'd okay. argue not. Okay. Is it about family? In two ways. Like this is on the. If we're doing the scale, this is on a five. It's about family. Okay. It's mm. both about a family you make, and it's also about the family that you have, or have lost. Mm. I mean, it's very impactful. The family element. And even back when we were talking redemption, yes. Furthermore, if we're talking about emotional growth, super yes. A five and a half on a scale of five. Mm. But this is wholly a Thanksgiving movie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I That's what I was going to guess. I know what you were talking about. Yes. Mm. Now, admittedly, the Christmas time Christmassy is weak, but it's there because it's the holidays and it's leading into the holidays. And while mm-hmm. it's Thanksgiving time, they're getting home for um, yeah. and I'm not, this is not like something I, I'm trying to make this a Christmas movie, but yeah. I was right. trying to think of a movie that kind of met the, the emotional chords were struck that you get yeah. in a Christmas movie. Yeah. Um, especially with John Candy's character who you find doesn't have his family any longer and he's right. like adopted into this family and it's, it, it's, it's huge. It's a great feel good movie that I will watch around Christmas time mm-hmm. Just because I didn't get around to watching it for Thanksgiving, yeah, usually. Yes. <laughs> um, so th- th- that's I'm, I've made my case. W- what do you think? I love that you brought this up because I okay. had to check myself because at some point in the last couple of days, I was like, "Why isn't that on the list?" Oh, Thanksgiving, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's the only reason 
that mm-hmm. I could come up with why it could not be in a discussion of Christmas yeah. movies. So it's, yeah, that's great that you brought it up. I love that. Mm. Mm. And it could have what been a Christmas going? movie. Mm. Yes. If you had just said they're trying to get home for Christmas instead. Yeah. Sure. The whole movie still works. Mm-hmm. That, that's not necessarily a reason in his yeah, favor. I'll, I'll, I'm just yep. saying it could map it easily. You know, well, you it know, just happens so, to be a Thanksgiving. Some of the yeah. folks' criteria that was suggested online that uh, people have used is if you took Christmas out, would this film mm. still is essentially play the same way? Mm. So what you're suggesting mm-hmm. oh, there would be, yeah. I think, work would be against your argument that it's a Christmas movie that you could set it at any holiday. Um, mm. Then the Christmas stuff is just window dressing, right? But I think that could, no I think Christmas that's stuff. I think that criteria just sort of swallows up everything mm-hmm. because any movie could be set at anything. Right. I mean, anytime, sure. certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. not good. I, I don't know. I love that movie, by the way. Mm-hmm. You see the angle that I'm coming from, at least, right? I'm, I guess. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I do, but I'm not claiming it is a Christmas movie, yeah. but it feels when I watch it, I get the feeling of a good Christmas movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. but for I, all the same reasons. I guess what mm-hmm. I would say, John, because just thinking about uh, my in my real life, when it hits, as soon as uh, Halloween is gone, it's the Christmas season for us in my house. <laughs> <laughs> November first, it's Christmas season. I, I'm not kidding. November first. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, my daughter, like my wife, yeah. Halloween stuff's going and Christmas stuff starts coming out. Mm-hmm. And it's not crazy yet because it's still, but no. And then after Thanksgiving, you know, we get our tree on Black Friday, you know? I mean, it's, uh-huh. uh, so in that sense, I, I agree. Christmas season is, is longer, I guess, or bigger than that. And I, so, and that's, I guess in that sense, that feeling you're talking about, I do agree. It, it's lasts longer than Christmas time. It's certainly mm-hmm. in the lead up to it. I don't know if mm-hmm. I would say it a Christmas movie though, because they didn't choose to set it at Christmas. Like all the right. things you suggest that they could have, they didn't do. So they for me, out those first it feels yeah. like one. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say it is. I, I absolutely agree with you. Right. But like, I guess my point was not so much to convince you that this is a Christmas movie, yeah. but mm-hmm. to show you how those right. criteria can apply to a film that gives you the Christmas movie joy mm-hmm. without necessarily hitting you over the head with a candy cane. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you're saying, right. but I, I, I don't, I feel like what you're saying yeah. really is a uh, bolsters the idea of this criteria in a sense, then I think, I think, I think you're probably right. Yeah. Right. It okay. shows that this movie is so close, but doesn't qualify yeah. because it doesn't score right. high enough on the first two criteria, even right. though it smacks the, the second, the last two are fives yeah. family, yes. five out of five yes. emotional growth, five out of five. Absolutely. But the Christmasy Christmas time. Agreed. Yeah. And yeah. I realize those Christmassy and Christmas time. I don't know that we're going to give a movie that where you could separate those two. It's Christmas time, mm-hmm. but not, well, you could have a Christmas time and not Christmassy. Less than zero is a perfect yes. example of that. The other way around right. is tough. The other way around is tough. Well, and I mentioned Rocky Four earlier that takes place <laughs> at right. Christmas, yeah. but it has nothing to do with Christmas. Right. 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 It's yeah. not Christmassy. It's just Christmas time. So. And come to think other of it, around, Gremlins is okay. almost in that category because there's so much, you know- like, of, yeah. <laughs> like huh. gross and terrifying stuff that happens. Yeah. It's almost yeah. not about Christmas other than that's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. that's the time of the year really. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Hey, okay. look, this yeah. is the most, con- one more. this is the most controversial year, uh, so, uh, rather movie year after mm-hmm. year. And we'll apply the criteria as we've tweaked it and mm-hmm. we'll see if it works or not. And then if, if we, if we're able to find, if we're able to find some consensus among us, we're putting, we're giving folks ammunition to argue this, mm-hmm. you know, the way this comes down. Mm-hmm. For the holidays, because every year people are arguing about this nonsense. And I think we can come to some <laughs> kind of definitive answer. And I'm talking about Die Hard. Right. Uh, 1988 mm-hmm. film uh, written by Jeb Stewart with revisions by Stephen D'Souza. Remember Stephen D'Souza? 
Do you remember we did uh, that connected universe of films and Steven <gasps> D'Souza like wrote like three or oh, them in yeah. a TV show and he created that fictional land that's in yes. Predator and also in whatever anyway. Yes. And it was directed by oh John McTiernan. Uh, okay, there you go. Of course, it's uh, yeah. on Christmas Eve, uh, Detective uh, John McClane, played by Bruce Willis, arrives in Los Angeles, intending to reconcile with his estranged wife, Holly, played by Bonnie Bedelia. Is it set at Christmas time? Yeah, it's entirely yeah. on Christmas mm-hmm. Eve. Oh, yeah. At a Christmas yeah, yeah. party. Uh, Christmassy, mm-hmm. filled with Christmas. It, the first song is a Christmas song in, in, in the film, right? Uh, and it includes uh, five other songs. And, and Beethoven's Ode to Joy, which wasn't originally uh-huh. composed for the holiday, but, but it's been adopted as a, or adopted mm-hmm. as a Christmas song. It, it oh, you know, yeah. it's placed yep. throughout the film and during some pivotal moments, including when they finally open that uh, vault. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, there's a whole lot of Christmas there. Is it about family? Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's about, you know, literally this guy is trying to get back to his family. John yes. McClane mm-hmm. is there to see his kids uh, who, right. are, who are, you know, with his estranged wife. Um, and I, I would argue that there's, uh, you know, sort of a found family to the, to the point you were saying, Kat, about folks can come together after an experience between Powell the, the Los Angeles police officer and, and yes. McLean, who helps him navigate, you know, the sausage situation that he's. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Who they only get to meet in person at the very end. Yeah. <gasps> up until After. then, they're just uh, yeah, a voice <laughs> yeah. on a walkie. Yeah. yeah. And it's a great yeah. moment when they like hug and come together. Oh, I love that moment. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. I would of redemption, which I think we could argue there is. Yeah. Uh, say emotional growth. Is there emotional growth? For, for whom? For whom it's it's been a couple of years since I've seen Die Hard. Yeah, okay. So well, and I, I think who would you say? The, I think though, squarely the John McClane he reconciles with his wife. Come the end, he's got a. It seems, and we know it's temporary based on the franchise of films, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that uh, he's got a new pre- profound, uh, a newfound appreciation for her, love for her. Uh, you know, and yes. it does seem that there's a coming together at the end when they finally reunite after all of this drama. Uh, and also, uh, Reginald Vell Johnson's character that I mentioned, Officer Powell, he overcomes this paralyzing anxiety that he's had since he accidentally shot a kid, and he's yes. able to draw his gun and save McLean uh, mm-hmm. from the bad okay. guy who winds up surviving. Yeah. So I think both yeah. of them have a, have growth, have uh, even to, maybe to the extent of redemption. Absolutely, like once you could, if you could, um, being the character in the movie, if you could get past the trauma of everything that you've gone through. Yeah. There has to be growth, right? <laughs> there just has to be. I uh, well, well, I feel like in a way. Yeah, well, gremlins, a lot of gremlins. Is, <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> but, but these guys came through the, on the other side, you know, like they, they got through this really challenging thing and they made connections, you know, like they, there was support. There yeah. was, you know, supportive things happening. Um, and so I feel like there's growth implicit in there. Okay. Definitely some trauma too, you know, that needs working <laughs> yeah, through, yeah. but mm-hmm. yes, like not, not a redemption. There's not a redemption thing, but there's, um, th- there was a huge going through, uh, something mm-hmm. that I, I just, I can't help, but think that there was growth yeah. in there. I think this is another case where, where it reinforces my affinity for Kat's opinion that if some of the criteria are so strong, then maybe the fourth one need not be so strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like maybe you're reaching a little hard to find something close enough to redemption. Emotional growth is fine. Some personal growth is good in there. I don't think it's amazing emotional growth like in some other films, but it's enough for me that I would I would say it's enough to make it a Christmas film. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. Ready to do it? Enough for all of us. Oh, definitely. And I'm not 
not going to argue with somebody. If they want to call it a Christmas movie, go ahead. Like, I'm not going to no, die on any of these depends hills. Depends on the film. If you, if you want to yeah. fight me over It's a Wonderful Life, yeah. then we can go. Okay, let's fight about it. Hey, let's go. All right, John, I don't know which way you come down. Let's just do a, let's do a Wonderful Life right now. Look, is it set at Christmas time? Yep. Not, yep. not all of it. I mean, half of it, yeah, all those nope, flashbacks, a good 50% yeah. of it is seeing how he lived his life, all these different tragedies he wound up being. That's not Christmas. Those time. are all flashbacks. Yeah. The film, the timeline of the film takes mm. place at Christmas. But that's like another 50%. I mean, that's half the runtime. Uh, all right. All right. No, that's fine. Carry mm. on. Is it Christmassy? I guess during those Christmas portions. Yeah. The part that we're there? Yes, of course. Is it yeah. about family? Damn straight. Okay. I Huge. <laughs> Huge. Five out of five. Now, emotional growth. I'm willing to argue that there isn't any. Oh. 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 Wow. Okay. Because the only thing, I mean, is it for folks who need to know what the story is? I mean, George Bailey is commits suicide because uh, of a financial problem. Uh, he he attempts to. He attempts, attempts to. But, but for his purpose, yeah. he was going to die. But That's for right. d- yeah. d- literally but for Deus Clarence. Ex Machina, uh, yeah. an angel mm. well, saving him. Clarence was headed down already yeah. when mm. he did it. That's minutia that doesn't matter. I'm sorry. Okay. So, so, but yes. He's so distraught, he kills himself over a financial issue. The loss of $8,000. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then as a result, Clarence winds up, she, Clarence winds up looking at his life as it was and all the different things that happened. Mm-hmm. And a lot of bad stuff happens to George and to George's family and everybody that touches George. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, his brother saves people in the war. Right. It was a Harry, Harry's his brother. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, That's right. George Harry. winds up stopping someone from getting killed by the, the drugstore guy who's mm-hmm. got bad vision or something like that. Uh, they lose the money. All these bad things happen. <laughs> that has George. Uh, okay, actually, some of those are good. I guess what I mentioned. So <laughs> they're all good. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the whole point of the movie is Clarence showing him yeah. that he has, despite the adversity he has faced and the right. sacrifices okay, okay, he has yes. made, right. that everything mm-hmm. he has done has brought good to people's lives. Okay. And he realizes, I don't have it so bad. I'm actually, I have a wonderful life. He realizes. Oh, I was woe is me because I didn't get to do all go off and travel the world like I thought I wanted to. But in doing my part, mm. I was an important cog in this wheel, and he recognizes his worth and value. And it's further validated when, even though he knows he is going to prison and he's ready to go to prison, he comes home to his family. Yeah, he hugs his family. He's got Zuzu's flowers. It's all there. And then the out, I'm going to cry. The outpouring of people yeah. coming in, dropping money in. Even the bank examiner is donating money to the cause. Mm-hmm. And he shows that, oh, I'm actually, I have a fantastic life. Hmm. I was just down on myself because it wasn't the life I thought I wanted. Yeah. I guess I was ready to yeah. argue that. Is he really changed? Are you saying his perspective on how his life is shitty and challenged and can't get a break sometimes? Mm-hmm. He's still going to live that life. He's not going to. Isn't perspective everything though? Th- that's that's right? a great point that I think you could debate ad infinitum about whether he is changed or his outlook changed and how much is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have an excellent point, Will. And Kat, you have the point that I would have made, which is he is a changed person. He has evolved. Mm-hmm. And I think that's emotional growth. Mm-hmm. It's not change. It's not redemption. It's emotional growth. And I think that's why that tweak to the criteria mm-hmm. matters so much. Mm-hmm. I guess I feel like he comes away with like, it, it could be, my life could be worse or it's not so bad instead of making it better 
Again, mm. I keep thinking about the Scrooge thing. He decides at the end yeah. he's going to change, not only his perspective changes, his actions change. There's action, right? There's behaviors mm-hmm. that Well, the thing follow. is, he doesn't need redemption. Well, George is like status quo. George has always been a giver. He has always been a benefactor. He has always been sacrificing. He's already a good person. And he thinks it's cost him a life. But he finds out ultimately, all those good things you did, They've done immeasurable good. So now you can feel good about that, where there's the emotional growth. There's an inner redemption going on. It's a different kind of redemption. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a vindication yeah. is what it mm-hmm. is. Yeah. yeah, it's a validation mm-hmm. of his life. Okay. Yes, which he needed desperately, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah he, was, yeah, he was ready to die. He's like, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm worth more dead than I am alive. Right. And then he's like, well, if you were dead, look at all the stuff that's not going to happen. And yeah. look at everybody that's, that, yeah, if you didn't ever exist it. So, yeah. Yeah. Love that movie. All right, I'll concede it. Merry New Year! Aww. <laughs> Aww. Thank you, Mr. Valentine. <laughs> All right, hey, look, there's plenty of others that we could do. And in fact, I've got a video where I did a number, a handful of other films applying this criteria yeah. that has now been debunked, it seems, maybe. Uh, but I'll re-post re, uh, that so you folks can check that out. And yeah. maybe if you guys will indulge me when we have some time in the future, maybe we'll do some of these other films. Uh, as a- oh, yeah. Just, just give me plenty of notice so I can watch them all or rewatch them. Yeah. Okay. Maybe every, maybe every episode in December, we just do a film. We just do one. More okay. Film. Uh, no, prob- <laughs> probably not. That sounds boring. All right. Hey, <laughs> no. uh, that was our show. Now, if we apply this criteria to this episode, which is, you know, it's, it's still November, but it's about mm. to launch into, officially okay. into December here. Yeah. Uh, is it set at Christmas time? Was November the last week of November, early December, Christmas time? Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, if, by planes, trains, and automobile logic, yeah, kind of. Okay. Is it Christmassy? We all we did was talk about Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. Well, and talked about ones that weren't. But mm-hmm. okay, okay, that's true. Hmm. A little bit of both. You get a three right. out of five. But there you go. Okay. That's the It's a Wonderful Life fifty fifty. <laughs> Half the time was flashbacks to shitty mm-hmm. movies. <laughs> <laughs> right. Is it about family? Or I'd say our found family here. Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, Tale of Redemption. I feel like John was redeemed and I was uh, put in shitter. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I feel like Will was redeemed. Oh, I'm back. You oh. had emotional growth in that <gasps> you found a way to open your heart okay. to changing your criteria oh, you go. based on rational, logical, and emotional reasons. That's very, very yeah. good. So with regard to our show. Well Merry New Year! Okay, there you go. All right, Kat, that was the show. Now that we <laughs> And this Christmassy show is brought to you thanks in part to our <laughs> thanks in part to our early adopters like Karen Flieger and Rick Parker. And a big thank you especially to our secret of our success level Patreon supporters like Tony Great, Nick Guillory, Craig Coletta, Matt Marino, John Henderson. Brandon Greer and Marcus Taylor. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, thanks guys for supporting our show. We thoroughly appreciate it. If you're able to give us any money, please visit us at 1980snow.com slash support or just go straight to patreon.com slash 1980snow and give us the money. That would help us feel Christmassy. (laughs) Would help you feel Christmassy, you think? That would help us feel Christmassy if someone gives a gift of becoming a patron or mm. just makes a one-time Aww. donation. Ho, ho, ho. Whatever, that's nonsense. Ho, 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 More than that, because you know what, Kat? Our vendors do not accept Christmassy as a payment, but uh. they take cash and that's what we need, cash. So if you're able to send money, that's great. If you're not, hey, give us, if you're not able to send any money in, including a dollar or two, come on, seriously. Uh, 
There's a number of different free ways you can support the show, including just, just send some a, jewelry you don't want anymore. Yes. Well, yep. We'll put it on our eBay store. Keep on it. Oh. Yeah. There you go. I'll wear it on our next live. Oh. Uh, but you can just make a comment on Facebook or on uh, you know Instagram or share an episode or follow us uh, on one of those platforms or the platform you're listening to or, or do one of the things that folks did here. Like for example, Megan, with regard to mm-hmm. our episode about the uh, Filthy 15, Megan wrote, this episode was, and she puts three uh, laugh emojis. Yes. And then she says, mm-hmm. quote, strap on for Jesus. Quote, <laughs> I need a warning label for this shit. <laughs> I love I'm the I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about this. John's doing <laughs> And, and for the record, my mother was the one who told me what Shebop meant back in the 1980s. I may still no. be tri- slightly traumatized. <laughs> uh, with regard to that same episode, uh, Craig wrote, I was surprised that so many people didn't realize what Shebop was about, but then I had perverted friends to clue me in. I also watched the video. It's pretty obvious. I, I don't recall the video. Is she masturbating I, in the video? I, I meant to rewatch it and I forgot. Thank mm, you for the gosh. reminder. I don't. I got Yeah. What? I don't know how. Uh, Mm, and as yeah. I mentioned, I had no idea what is it about, what it was about. I, so yeah. I don't know if the video would have helped. Uh, Charlene writes, I had no idea what Shebop was about. <laughs> so there you go. Mm. There you go. There's the one. Uh, and, and Dave writes, you guys are hilarious. You are all clearly having such a great time. Yes, Dave, we agree. Absolutely. I am. When we're awake. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we will have another wide awake, great time. John waited to, what do you say? I couldn't pick on you unless... But, right. he, but he could. Yeah. I, I, got, I got one for you. Okay, yeah, don't worry. He's, John's <laughs> uh, on we, it. We will be wide awake next, when we talk to you next time on 1980s Now. Just like this time. Bye-bye, you old building and loan. <laughs> <laughs>